you're listening to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Emma. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> right, well, this is the second podcast that we're that we've done. Hopefully it's going to be better <laughs> than the last one. <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking if we just get a little bit better each time. Yeah, that's that's the aim. And we're going to go for shorter this time as well, because for you know anybody who listened to the last one and got through it, well done, because that was that was a flog. Yeah. Bravo, <laughs> bravo. <laughs> so, how are you, Bex? I'm fine, fine. I have a, a little ill child at home, but she's getting a lot better, and because of her lesser, uh, she's given me a little bit of a sore throat. I haven't got alcohol. That's what kids this week. do, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and no alcohol this week for me, just a good old cup of tea. And I was like, really good today and saved my calories. And I was like, I'm going to have some booze tonight because we're podcasting, going to have some booze with my friend. So I've got booze and you've got tea. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we will get together and eventually we'll... It will happen. Yeah, eventually we'll be podcasting together, hopefully. So Yeah, I mean, it's a bit higgledy-piggledy at the minute, isn't it? Yep, yeah. yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Did you... What about this rain? What's happening? I don't know. Uh, it's like <laughs> this weekend we had t-shirt weather uh, in mm. my t-shirt and then it hailed. So One I'm... of the big issues with a load of rain is that I've got the kids with me because we're isolating because of COVID and etc. So the kids aren't at school. They're with me and I can't let them outside. So they're like bouncing off the walls, which is fab. But the worst bit of having rain and sun and rain and sun and rain and sun is I spend my entire day opening and closing the door for cats. That's all I do. <laughs> oh, I know the feeling. We um, <laughs> My uh, cat has had uh, five kittens because we weren't very responsible cat owners at first and I didn't know that a kitten could get pregnant at under six months. But yeah. That, oh, they can. Yeah, I know that now. And it definitely <laughs> happened. She's now on the pill, and I'm getting her done next month. Uh, and the kittens are gorgeous, but yeah, in and out, in and out. But um, I'm not letting the kittens out to roam free. They've got like an outside cat run at the minute. Oh, bless them! <laughs> little playpen, <laughs> little playpen for the little kittens. And I say, what there's not not many things give me joy, <laughs> but kittens playing. It's just so lovely. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be some kind of heartless, miserable uh, person not to enjoy seeing kittens play. Exactly. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody enjoys, even like serial killers, I bet they enjoy seeing kittens play. I bet, you know, you stick a litter of kittens in front of Ted Bundy and I bet you melted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm kind of digging the research because I'm coming across so much freaky stuff researching for this podcast. And uh, I found out, well, it, it was pretty obvious, but I, it didn't really cross my mind. But I'm so I'm researching all these haunted places and stuff. And a lot of the time they're haunted because there's been some kind of horrific murder there or mass killing or something. So actually our two subjects intertwine quite a lot. Yeah. So maybe one time we'll have to do, we'll have to find somewhere where there's been this horrific killing and you can talk about the murder and then 
I'll go on and talk about the haunting that occurred afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely some crossovers, if not a oh, lot. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. But I get I get drawn into these stories and I'm like, no, I can't do that. It's too murdery. It's too murdery. It's not, it's not, it's not that's not my part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've seen a few that it's like, oh, an urban legend. So then I was like, no, I can't. That's kind of urban legends got a little bit more of the paranormal side. I don't really know. Don't know where, don't know where the, the line is. The line's blurry. I know, it is kind of a blurry line, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Yeah. If I find something that I really want to do, I might just have to say, oh, Becky, let me get away with it, because it's a really good story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't that- I wouldn't shout at you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's good to know. I won't get in trouble. <laughs> did you um, Did you read that shark story I sent you? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Ha- oh. Okay, so basically, there was this. Sh- oh, how I can't remember it now. What happened to the shark? Did somebody fish it by mistake and give it to the aquarium? Yeah, I think I think basically it was a shark that got somebody caught a shark by mistake and then donated it to um, an, a local aquarium, and the shark became really ill and started swimming weirdly and just not being right. And then it started puking, which for some reason really made me chuckle. The idea of this poorly shark puking everywhere. And it puked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it puked up a human arm. But yeah. And so everybody was very confused because it had puked up a human arm. And anyway, the police were called and whatnot. And they managed to trace it back to a murder that had occurred. And the person had tried to get rid of the body by chucking it in the sea. And then the shark had eaten an arm. And then the shark had got caught. Oh, and puked up this human arm, and because it had a tattoo on it, they were able to identify the victim, and through all this police work, they were actually able to find the murderer. And, yeah. like, what are the odds? Yeah, and the amount of the amount of um, murders that are solved by tattoos, like, if they haven't got the, uh, the head, or if they've only got part of the body and they're identified because of a tattoo, everyone should have a yeah. tattoo, or a little one on each limb. To be identified. <laughs> I was just going to say, if you you know, if you're a murderer, don't kill somebody with tattoos. Yeah. And then for the rest of us, maybe we should go and get some tattoos. Yeah, it will help my with my anxiety a bit. I think I need to get some tattoos. I'm the only. Yeah. I'm the. I think I'm the only girl in our family that doesn't have any. Yeah, and my uh, my cousin does tattoos, and she's brilliant. So if any anyone ever gets to tattoo me, it'll definitely be her. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. See, the idea of getting a tattoo gives me anxiety because I don't like needles. Mm. Yeah, I don't like pain. <laughs> no, not a fan of the pain either. <laughs> I'm such a wuss. I don't know if we're ideal candidates for tattoos, Bex. It's one of them. It's one of the things you we'd either get in the chair, scream, and get out, or we'd be hooked, and that's it, and we'd be covered the next year. Oh, and just like become like tattooed ladies. Yeah. Yeah. Be the, like be massive the... face tattoos and stuff. Oh, yeah. I'd, be, I'd look so amazing. Yeah. But are we going to swap swap over every every week like we said the first time? Shall I go first this well, week? Well, yeah. You, you are more than welcome to start. I've only got a little short story anyway tonight because we're trying to not make it last two hours. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this is about a woman called Leonardo... 
chinchuli. And I had to look up how that was pronounced. So hopefully I'm not butchering it too much. So Leonardo Cinciulli was born in Montella Avellino in Italy. Uh, her mother, Emilia, um, again, it's not starting very well. It always starts bad. Her mother was uh, was raped and got pregnant with Leonardo. So, and then... Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention... Here we go. I forgot to mention this. This was in the 1800s. So, okay. uh, in 18, uh, I think it was 1890. So in 1890, her mother then had to, you know, to avoid ruin, she had to marry her attacker. Oh, no. Awful. No. Awful, awful, awful. Which made the mother and daughter have an awful, awful relationship, a very tense relationship. And I can, I can kind of get it. I mean, you have to marry your attacker and then you have this child which was born of such an evil act. I can see why it's complicated. So, so she resented the baby, basically. Yeah, she resented the baby, but she had to stay married to this absolute awful man. What a shitty her. situation. So what happened then? Was her rapist somebody she knew? I don't know. Because it, it, it was from 18-something. There was a lot of information about it. It was just, that's the way it was then. If you got raped by someone, you had to marry him. God. Awful. And I don't, think, I don't think she was very old either. I think she was only about 16, so... Oh, no. I know. Awful. Um, but... Yeah, that this created an awful relationship between the mother and daughter because she completely resented her. And uh, while Leonardo was still a young girl, she attempted suicide twice because of uh, her awful home life. Yeah, she grew up really poor. Her parents were poor. And uh, they organised for her to marry a wealthy man because this man had agreed to look after the whole family. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so still not going very well for her. Anyway, in so she she married this wealthy guy. Her parents had organised for her to marry this wealthy man. Right. But okay. she went against her parents' wishes and married a registry office clerk called Raphael Ponsardi. Right. But Leonardo's mother was really, really pissed off with her betrayal. Right. She took it uh, and she went and cursed her daughter... She cursed her. Yeah, but Leonardo was someone that was quite superstitious, and she really strongly believed it. Believed in curses. Yeah. Um, because earlier in her life, she had been to a, for- a fortune teller who announced a pretty grim future for her. She said that she would marry and have children, but each one of her children would die young. Oh my God! I know. Uh, so and then she wasn't very happy, obviously, with that fortune. It was pretty grim, pretty awful. She went to see a Rumani, which is a palm reader, and she yeah. she didn't give her any good news either. She said, "In your right hand, I see prison, and in your left, I see a criminal asylum." Wonderful, something to look forward to. Yeah. So in oh in 1921, Leonardo and her husband uh, moved back to her husband's native town of Lorena in Ponsena, where they found work. But then I, I couldn't find any information of what she'd done. But in 1927, she was imprisoned for fraud. No idea okay. what that was about. 
there just wasn't any information on it. But I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then when she was released, and again, they didn't really say how long she was in there for. I think she was only in a couple of months. Yeah. And then when she was released, they moved house again because their house was destroyed in the 1930s Irupina earthquake. God, she's not having much luck, is she? No. No, no, no. But they both survived, you know, they both survived, so that was good. So then they moved one last time to a place called Correggio in Reggio Emilia, where Leonardo opened a small shop selling soap and tea, where she finally... Soap and tea? Yeah, soap and tea. I was like, oh, that's the sort of thing that I would... (laughs) That I would open. (laughs) That's so random. I know. That's so random. I think it was one of them shops where, you know, you get, like, all the different tea leaves and then you got soap and like, perfumes and stuff. Go for your soap and tea. Soap and tea and cake. And she sold cake and, like, snacks and stuff. Like, uh, very quaint. Yeah. And there, there in the, with the shop, she finally flourished and seemed to turn her life around. Her Their look started turning around. She then started expanding the business a little bit, started telling the customers that she had special powers, like you do, and saying that she could help their she, dreams come pardon, Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> she, she started telling people she had special powers. And people believed her, that's the weird thing. Now, if someone was like, I have special powers, you'd be like, all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, so she's selling tea and soap and she's telling people she's a superhero? What are we talking about here? As in like a fortune teller, but also she could help make people's dreams come true. Like if you wanted a dream job or if you wanted to live in a certain place, she could help make it come true. What, like a genie? <laughs> I'm gonna have to send you. I'll, I'll I'll make an Instagram tonight, and I'm gonna put the photos on from last week and this week. And when you see what she looks like, and imagine her as a genie, <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I do do. Um. So yeah, special powers, and she can help make people's dreams come true. So, fortune-telling and such. Then, uh, word got out that she was pretty good at fortune-telling. People were pretty happy with everything. She was very, very popular and very highly respected in within the neighbourhood. And women, especially, from quite far around, would come and see her to help make their desires come true. Mm-hmm. Mm. They never had a friend like her. Boo! <laughs> And now it gets a little bit sad again. Um, Leonardo had a total of 17 pregnancies during her marriage. but Holy fuck. Yeah, but lost three of the children to miscarriage and 10 more died very, very young or in their oh, youth. Oh, no. Yeah, from various illnesses. You know, it was really early 1900s. There was just illness everywhere, I suppose. How do you recover from one? Oh. Not t- like ten. Jesus. I know. 
I can well, it's partly see why she goes a little bit mental. I don't think she has. Oh, powers. absolutely, mm. absolutely. Mm. I, I mean, you wouldn't go around killing people, which is, I imagine, this is where this is going. Mm, I think you so. Know, from the name of the podcast and stuff, I'm kind of guessing. It's a good guess. Mm. Consequently, she was very protective of her four surviving children. And she had a particular uh, soft spot for Giuseppe, uh, which was her favourite son. I don't know who's... I think he was the eldest son. Yeah, yeah that's right. So in 1939, Leonardo learned that her eldest son and favourite child, Giuseppe, was going to join the Italian army in preparation for World War Two. And... Uh, Uh-oh. Yeah, quite rightly... She was terrified something was going to happen to him. So I'd already had World War One. They know that lots of people don't come back. And uh, she was absolutely terrified. So she, she was determined to protect him at all costs and came to the conclusion, the very far-fetched conclusion, I might add, that his the safety required human sacrifices. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. What she did was she found nearly all of her victims were middle-aged women, all neighbours in the same village. So she wasn't... Th- I mean, that's not smart. That's no. just not a smart plan. It's not. Not thinking but- long-term. Not thinking long-term here. Mm-hmm. So the first of Leonardo's victims was called Faustina Setti. Bless her. And she was a 73-year-old 70, lifelong spinster who would come for her help trying to find her husband. Oh. I know. She, and she looks so sweet. She doesn't look 73. She's bloody awesome for 73, especially in 1940s. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bless her heart. I know. Bless her. So, Leonardo managed to convince her that convince Faustina that she'd found a suitable partner partner? she'd found a a suitable partner in Pola which then became Croatia which is Croatia Croatia now Pola Um, which I didn't know that was a bit of history for me I didn't know yeah and um, no one so, Leonardo told her of a suitable partner in Pola, Croatia. I can't say that word. Croatia. But, but asked her, uh, she, she asked her not to tell anyone that she'd found this suitable partner. So this poor little spinster who's 73 can't tell any of her friends, have a little knitting friends that she's found a man. Well. Well, one, suspicious. It's just rubbish. Two, you know, I just think, bless her, she's finally found a husband. She can't tell anyone about it. Oh, no. She told Faustina to write letters to him, which she did, and she received some back from him. So that really, really made her day. Yeah. But she said that this guy had got some money, you know, that, that the, she's going to be hap- like happily ever after for her, that he's not a, an awful piece of shit. He's actually, yeah, yeah. you know, quite a nice man, widowed, but, you know, looking for, looking for her. A friend to, I'm sure they're way past retirement, but, you know, into their retirement, <laughs> if they had it back I feel then. so bad for this woman. She's, oh. I don't know what's coming, but I know it's nothing good. It's not nice. She asked Paula to write letters to her fa- family and friends, saying that everything was fine. She had this new new life. 
She came to visit uh, Leonardo one last time before she was to make her departure for this happy new life. She invited her over. So Leonardo invited Faustina over for some wine and just tried to have a nice drink before she goes. She gave her a glass of wine which she had drugged. As she was falling asleep, she killed her with an axe. Like, as she was falling asleep? Yeah, as she was... As she, as she was falling asleep or she'd just fallen unconscious, so not putting her right. to fight, she killed her with an axe, axe and dragged her body into the closet. Oh my god. She then proceeded to cut her body up into nine parts, gathering the blood into a basin, and uh, this is how she described what happened in what would be later an official statement. I threw the pieces into a pot, added seven kilos of caustic soda, which I had bought to make soap. So the soap. Soap and tea, lady. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ah, she was thinking ahead. Ah, I think she was. I stirred the mixture until the pieces dissolved into a thick, dark mush. Mm. Yeah. Um, She's... Oh, carry on. I'm just... Yeah. I'm thinking something, yeah. and I don't want to be right. Yeah. Carry on. Sweeney Todd vibes. <laughs> anyway, now she is dark mush, and she poured uh, she poured it into several buckets and emptied it into a nearby septic tank. Okay. Yeah. I thought she was going to make soap. <sighs> I thought she was going to make human soap. Yeah. Not, not, not this time. When I, when I read that, I was like, oh, thank God. And then I was like, they had septic tanks back then. <laughs> I just didn't think that was a thing. But well, glad for them. Um, as for the blood that had collected in this basin, I waited until it had coagulated and dried it in the oven, ground it and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk and eggs, as well as a bit of margarine. Why? Why is she doing it, Becky? I'm going to tell you. Kneading all the ingredients together, I made a load of crunchy tea cakes and served them to the ladies that come to visit, though Giuseppe and I also ate them. <laughs> oh, no! And I don't know why she suddenly went into a posh English accent at the end if she's Italian. <laughs> so she made old lady cakes. Yeah. So, some reports that I, when I was doing my research, some reports said that Leonardo apparently received Faustina's life savings, savings of 30,000 lira, or lira, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, as, uh, lira, not sure. Yeah, as payment for her services, so 30,000 lira, which I think was quite a lot of money back then. Pretty decent amount. Okay. And she thinks in doing this, she's protecting her son who's gone to war. Yep. This is all human sacrifice to protect her son. That's the only reason why she's doing it. Crazy! On to our second victim, who was called Francesca Suavi, who was 55 years old. Leonardo claimed to have found her a job at a school for girls in Piacenza in northern Italy. So, like Faustina, Francesca was persuaded to write postcards. To families and friends. Come on, ladies. Come on. It's suspicious. What are you suspicious. thinking? Yeah. 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 Francesca was a, like a local school teacher. 
and got a bit bored mm-hmm. in the small little village that they were living in. That's why she wanted a job somewhere else. She just wanted a little bit of a change. That's why she went to see Leonada, and Leonada was supposed to be magic powers woman genie and magic that before her. So I just think I just think they were just they believed it so much. Yeah, yeah, it's like well, it's superstition, isn't it? It's yeah. Yeah. It's just difficult nowadays to not see how they thought this was complete and utter bullshit. Well, you went I mean, there were red flags. Proof of anything. Yeah, you didn't. You were used to believing things without proof. Yeah. So, same. Say exactly the same. Everything happened exactly the same as the first murder. She sent uh, letters to family and friends, then went to see Leonardo the night before she was supposed to be going away. She was also uh, given drugged wine and killed with an axe. This murder occurred on the 5th of September 1940, and she's supposed to have collected uh, about 3,000 lira from the second victim as well, as well as selling all of her clothes. Going through our house, going up to our house, going through all of her stuff and selling what? it all. How is she getting Which away with this? How is she just like, oh, I'm just going to help myself and sell all your shit? Why isn't, why aren't people going to Where's the nosy neighbours? Yeah, there's no nosy neighbours. Where's the family? I don't know. I think she went did the murder and then went to the person's house with their keys, if they had, you know, keys back then. I'm just like, went through all yeah, the yeah. whole house. Yeah, on the what? same night and brought everything on. Oh, like just stole everything. God, she's a yeah, nasty piece of work. Yeah, and she didn't know this herself. one. Her husband, her husband didn't know didn't know what was going on. He was like oblivious. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, well, he's bloke. Yeah. Did so, did she eat this one? Same treatment. So I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Same treatments made into cakes. Yummy, yummy cakes. There, occasionally, locals noticed a smell coming from Leonardo's shop from time to time. Smell of human cake. (laughs) No one ever said anything because she was the lovely lady that helped people and made soap. So, yeah, she also kills people with an axe. Yeah, she was just so highly (laughs) respected in the community that no one would dare. um, Yeah, yeah. Leonardo's third and final victim was Virginia Chia Cachopio. Cachopo? Yeah, that's it, Cachopo. You really set yourself up here, didn't you, with all these Italian yeah. names? Virginia <laughs> Cachopo. I can't. I think I'll just edit all the ones that I say badly. I'm like, Cachopo. A former. So, she was a former soprano and was said to have sung at La Scala, mm-hmm. uh, which is a thing. And Leonardo claimed to have found work as a secretary for a mysterious impresario, which I didn't know what that was, so I had to Google it, and it is a person who organises and often finances plays or operas. Oh, I didn't yeah, know either. So. I was just keeping quiet. Just keeping quiet. <laughs> I saw you were like, mm-hmm. not saying anything. Yeah, I'm just so playing it cool. I know what that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was to be a secretary 
this new job for a pretty, well, it would be a pretty good job working with someone that organises plays and operas. This was mm-hmm. in Florence was this new job. So again, a job far away where, you know, you can't just go and pop in and see your new friend or I'll go and pop to Florence, which is like a half a day trip away or more. Yeah, yeah. 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 She spun this lie to two other women as well. So she was lining herself up, I think, to have a couple more murders down the line. Yeah. And as as well with the other two other two victims, again, same story, don't tell anyone. She agreed, but she couldn't keep her mouth shut. She was a bit she told a few people she did mention it to a few people, she couldn't quite keep quiet about it. Yeah. So, okay. Blah. Yeah. Yeah. So so she's doing all this quite close to it. So the other the last murder was the fifth of September. This is the thirtieth of September, so it's in the same month. She's just popping them all off. You know. <laughs> Sorry, I was yawning. I was yawning and I was trying to do it so quietly so it didn't sound rude, but then you you stopped like you were waiting for an answer and I couldn't answer because I was mid yawn. <laughs> <laughs> this is with the lag with the phone. I'm trying to leave a couple of spaces so that I'm not talking over you all the time. <laughs> no, I was just here with my mouth wide open with a panic look on my face like, quick, finish the yawn. Finish the like, yawn. Like them sharks that have their mouth open eating plankton. <laughs> sharks don't eat plankton, do they? Is there a type of shark? Is it? Oh, I might be a whale. They walk around, they walk around. They swim, <laughs> they swim around with their mouths open. I think that might be a whale, Becky. I think it might be a little bit of a whale. Is there not one called... Oh, anyway. I believe you. It sounds more right than me. There is There is a big shark, I think, that looks That's behaves like a whale. I can't remember yeah. what it's called. But it's more whaley than sharky. Yeah. Well, either way. Either way. Right. Sorry. Yeah. I was yawning and anyway. I got caught. <laughs> yeah. Back to the murder. Um, on the 30th... Murder, 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 murder. On, <laughs> on the 30th of September, <laughs> 1940. So 25 days after the last murder, because I can math. You again, do that math. It came for the time for the last visit to Leonardo's house before she pops off on a new journey. Again, the same pattern as the first day. Yeah, yeah. However, bring the wine. Um, I'm going to bring in the however, however, however. Oh, unlike however. The first, unlike the first two, Virginia's body was melted to make soap. Knew it. Called it. There's no way she wasn't going to make some soap. She's got a soap shop. She just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't resist. She's looking at people. I just thought the other two bodies were personally a waste. You know, you got a soap shop, get that grease going. This is how she spoke about it in what would later be her statement again. Yeah. So this is a quote. She ended up in the pot like the other two. Her flesh was white and Flesh was fat and white. When it had melted, I had added a bottle of cologne 
and after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable creamy soap. I gave baths to my neighbours and acquaintances. The cakes, too, were better. That woman was really sweet. She's a very considerate <laughs> neighbour, though. Very considerate oh, yeah. neighbour. Yeah. Just gives cakes Lovely. and everything away like they were made of people. She had a good time. She had a good yeah. time. Yeah. But she's going to get caught again, now, right? I think so. Again, because eventually people, even back then, even with their, someone that was pretty respected in the community, eventually the people did get a little bit suspicious. And again, from Virginia, Leonardo reportedly received 50,000 lira, assorted jewels and public bonds. She even sold, all the, again, all the victims' clothing and shoes. Uh, and She's not very good at, like, covering her tracks, is she? Or, or keeping a low profile or just... No, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, not just making it obvious. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, she's uh, Captain yeah. Obvious. I don't yeah. know why I keep singing. I'm sorry. It's. I think it's nervous because I keep laughing like this. <laughs> and that's not how I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we're winding this down now. People were starting to get suspicious. Family members of the first two women got letters at first, but then they were. it was impossible to contact them afterwards. No replies, no more letters. Very suspicious. The third victim's sister was especially very suspicious of this fantastic new job out of nowhere that apparently Leonardo was organising for her. Um, so, and also, weird, again, not covering her tracks. Nearly every, well, all of the women had last been seen entering Leonardo's shop. <laughs> Shocking! <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> I was like, what? Why? Crazy. Why didn't anyone say anything? Like, the first person, I'd be like, well, she went into that shop and then she disappeared forever. Maybe she murdered her. I don't know. Or made her into soap. And then when the third and the second and third people, then you definitely get suspicious then. Mm-hmm. So, the third, the third victim's sister reported her fears to the superintendent of police in Reggio Emilia, who opened an investigation and soon arrested Leonardo. Started looking into her, found out that she sold all the clothes and even suddenly came into money after they disappeared, all the victims disappeared. And the police suspected that she didn't act alone and suspected her son, her eldest son, Giuseppe. So when she realised that her son could go to jail, she confessed to the murders, providing detailed accounts of what she'd done to avoid her son getting any blame for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is the whole reason why she's doing it, is to what she thinks she's protecting her children, or that, that child in particular. So the thought of him She's going to jail. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she was tried for murder in Reggio Emilia in 1946. 
in the trial, she was very unrepentant, just no remorse, just t- yeah. talking about the murders like she would tell you her soap recipe, a normal soap recipe. Just yeah, she was like, like really nonchalant. Yeah. At a trial, she gripped the witness stand rail with oddly delicate hands and calmly set the prosecutor right on certain details. Her deep-set, dark-eyed eyes gleamed with a wild inner pride as she concluded, and I quote, I gave the copper ladle which I used to skim the fat off the... Off when she was making the body soap, she yeah. had to skim the fat off with this copper ladle, and I gave that to my country when when the country was in need of metal for the war. All right, yeah. And again, people weren't convinced that she had done this by herself. She was just like a normal-looking woman. She yeah, yeah, didn't look menacing in any way. So what they did is they took her down to a morgue and she dissected and cut up a corpse into nine pieces, which was her signature move, in under 12 yeah. minutes. Under 12 minutes it took her to do that. So uh, The nine pieces was... is putting me off. I'm trying to work it out in my head. How do you cut yeah, a body can... into nine pieces? Because uh... you've got four limbs... And a torso and a head, which, you know, if I was chopping somebody up, that would be my go-to chop-up. Cut the legs up twice, so that's four. Arms up once, that's okay. six. And then there's torso and head. Oh, that's eight. I don't know. Exactly. So fat off these, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was bothering me as well. I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> Um, anyway, she was found guilty of her crimes and sentenced to prison in a criminal asylum. So the palm reader was right. Wow. Yeah. That's spooky. She died on the 15th of October in 1970 of a cerebral apoplexy. Which basically is like a... Because I had to look into this, I had no idea what that was. It's like a mix of a t- between a stroke and a brain hemorrhage, just sudden kind of death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff went this pop in her a, brain. Yeah, this is a fun fact. And uh, the a number of artifacts from the case, including the pot of which the victims were boiled, are on display at the Criminological Museum in Rome. And I was really sad I didn't see it because I've been to Rome and I didn't see that. And you I'm have, really to, have to go back. I have to go back. I think I will. <laughs> wow. And that's it. Soap. The soap. Oh, that lady. was enough, man. Yeah. Sorry, it was a little soap, bit long in the end. Kind of... Oh, it didn't matter. <laughs> good, good shit, though. Good. We had soap yeah. and cakes and all sorts. People biscuits. I, I don't like people making food out of people. No. I like it. Surely you'd taste it and it'd be off. Like if you put beef into a biscuit, you'd taste it. She basically made yeah. like black pudding cake, didn't she? I think so. But she put chocolate and sugar Ooh. in it. So there must have been some sweet ones. Yep. Weird. <laughs> anyway, that's my case. 
Well, that was good. Well done. Go Thank you. you. Woo. So pretty. Yes. I, I, um, I watched something this week about some uh, murderer. I can't remember what his name was now, but he was serving people up in sandwiches to customers. He was selling sandwiches to customers. So that was delightful. Uh, he was mixing in human meat with beef and pork, and people loved it. They were like, couldn't get enough of it. Like, really popular. That made me feel a bit queasy. That, and you can get, you can get a deadly disease from eating human tissue, especially the brain. Can you? Mm hmm. What, is that because, like, cannibalism just shouldn't happen? I think so. And my weird uh, Italian neighbour told me that she doesn't put it in her biscuits. It's <laughs> 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 okay then. Yep, I'm ready for your story. Tell me, tell me. You're ready for mine. Do, do, mm-hmm. Okay, do, do, mine's do. quite a sh- short one. Yeah. Uh, it go well because mine was a little bit longer than what I thought it would be. It it takes a long time to tell a story, doesn't it? Yeah. Right. Okay. So mine is the story of the Pollock twins. You ever heard of them? Nope. I'm excited. That's good, because I'm going to tell you. So, John and Florence Pollock have four children. They have two older boys and two daughters. The daughters are called Joanna and Jacqueline. Joanna's born in 1946 and Jacqueline is born in 1951. So, really normal family. Um, Their parents are... They have a grocery and a milk delivery business. So, they're very busy with that. And their daughters are raised mostly by their maternal grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. The parents are busy, so the kids are with grandma, basically. The eldest daughter, Joanna, would look after her baby sister. She liked to, you know, uh, mother her, Jacqueline. Yeah. And the the baby sister was absolutely fine with that, and she uh, just let her big sister look after her. Joanna liked Joanna, so this is the eldest one. This is going to get confusing because all the names in this story are very similar. Yeah, That's so right. Joanna's the Joanna, eldest. Joanna's the eldest. Joanna likes wearing costumes and uh, making up plays and acting them out. She's very happy and sociable little girl. Um, and both little girls like playing with people's hair, you know, playing hairdressers. It's a very, very pretty common thing for little girls to like. But they especially like doing their dad's hair. Jo- one day, Joanna just goes really quiet and she just blurts out to everybody, um, I don't think I'm ever going to be a lady, which is very strange. And yeah. then she doesn't say anything more about that. At the age of three, the little sister, Jacqueline, uh, has a fall. Now, I couldn't... Uh, there are two different stories, but I think what happened was she fell off her tricycle and she fell into a bucket. <laughs> like, not... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not, like, into the bucket, but, like, she she hit herself on a bucket. All right, okay. I was expecting head in the bucket... Uh, feet flipping around. Little in the legs air, in the sorry. air. No. Yeah, legs in the air. Yeah. So not funny then. No. 
well, <laughs> she uh, she <laughs> she she got a small gash on her forehead uh, from hitting her head on the bucket near her right eye, and it formed a permanent scar that was just slightly depressed, and apparently it was especially cold, uh, especially visible in cold weather, which oh. is weird. Are scars sometimes more visible in cold I weather? I don't know. I think they go like a purple colour, the one on my arm does. Well, there you go. This one on her face got very visible in cold weather. And Jacqueline, the younger sister, who has got the scar on her face, also had a roundish dark birthmark on the left side of her waist. Okay, so that's Uh a few important details about Joanna and Jacqueline. So on the 7th of May, 1957... (laughs) They come back later. On the 7th of May 1957, when Joanna was 11 and Jacqueline was 6, they were walking to church with one of their little friends, a little boy, and they were hit by a car and killed. Oh, my God. The driver was a local woman. Yeah. The driver was a local woman who decided to commit suicide by driving after taking what she thought was a lethal quantity of drugs. Her own children had been forcibly removed from her, and this is what's, you know caused her to have some kind of a mental break and she purposely targeted the children with her car so it wasn't an accident she wanted to kill them oh what a monster um, drive over I know. a bridge uh, if, exactly you, there are other ways to kill yourself than to ram your car into three little kids I mean there's a so mental the witnesses- break and then there's yeah, sorry, there's a mental break and then there's just murdering children because you're upset. And I'm, I'm, well, at, it, absolutely. <laughs> well, her children were taken away from her for a reason, I imagine, so she's probably a bit of a monster. Yeah, I think so. The witnesses saw her driving erratically and driving straight for the kids and the kids couldn't get away because there was a great big wall behind them. So she hit them Aww. straight on and the impact tossed them up in the air like little dolls and both the little girls were killed instantly and the little boy died on his way to hospital. The incident made awful. headline news throughout Britain at the time and the woman was later taken to a psychiatric hospital so I don't even think she got into that much trouble. I think she, she, she was just taken to a, you know, a, a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> What, was this still the 50s, though? I can't imagine a, psychiat- uh, a psychiatric hospital was very nice. No, that's probably a good shout. Yeah, 1957 this was. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, it probably wasn't nice now, most... but... Mm. Yeah. I see what you mean, though. No prison. She's got a cushy, cushy hospital. It, mm. Yeah. So the poor parents were absolutely distraught, which, you know, you would be. Oh, yeah. Uh, the father, John, became absolutely convinced that his little girls would be brought back to him through reincarnation. Um, he'd always believed in reincarnation and he'd actually prayed to God for proof that it existed throughout his life. And it was something he wanted to see proof of so much that he blamed himself for the girls dying because he thought it was God's way of showing him that it was possible. Yeah. The mother was a devout Catholic and she didn't believe in reincarnation whatsoever. So 
she him her apparently the relationship at this point between Florence and John was quite tense because he would basically would not shut up about the fact that these little girls were going to come back and be reincarnated and he just started acting really weird he'd hang out in the um, in the attic of the house because he said that's where he could feel their spirits um he was just imagine going a little bit mental he lose your kids you'd go a little bit mental you'd hang on to absolutely Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and that's, you know, that's yeah. what Florence thought her husband was going through, that he was just like losing his marbles a little bit, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a year after their deaths, Florence fell pregnant again. And John, of course, is like, oh, you're going to have twin girls. I just know you're going to have twin girls. And they're going to be the reincarnation of Joanna and Jacqueline. And Florence, of course, is like, don't be so ridiculous. Of course, that's not going to happen. Um, I'm yeah. not having twins. And um, they went to the doctor and the doctor confirmed, you're not having twins. There is only one baby. I can only feel one baby. I can only hear one heartbeat. There's only one baby. Ah, oh, okay. But there were indeed two babies. Mm, Florence had twin girls. Huh? Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Well, I maybe there's two. Maybe just doesn't hear another one. Maybe the other one's the quiet one. Yep. <laughs> uh, yes, there were t- there, there were two, and there were no twins in the family. So the, you know there was nothing to lead anyone to believe that it was going to be twins. Yeah. Um, so Florence had twin girls on the fourth of October, nineteen fifty-eight, and they were named Gillian and Jennifer. Right, you can see now why I'm going to get confused. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Jennifer had a birthmark that looked like Jacqueline's scar. Um, yeah. So on her face, and she had a second birthmark in the same place as Jacqueline's on her hip. You know, on her waist which yeah. I said earlier, um, which is really strange because, well, it's actually genetically impossible or inexplicable, at least, because the girls were identical twins and identical yeah. twins are supposed to have identical birthmarks and Gillian didn't have any birthmarks or she didn't have any That's of the weird. same birthmarks. So it's yeah. just... Uh, hang on. Jennifer, it's just Jennifer who has these birthmarks. So apparently yeah. there's been studies that have been done on reincarnation and birthmarks and apparently it's a super common thing where the reincarnated soul has birthmarks in places where the deceased person had trauma. So say if there was a head injury or something, they'd have a mark on their head or if they were shot in the chest, there'd be a birthmark in the, on the chest. And, you know, it's it's a thing. It's been uh, documented and studies have been done on it. So, yeah, I didn't know that. No, no, no. Uh, it's, it's, in a way, it's a nice thing to believe um, of, in re- reincarna- re- reincarnation. uh... absolutely i'd love to believe it and i've read loads of different things about it and that i can't explain but i don't know i have questions let's let's put it that way yeah oh Um, it's amazing isn't it so when the twins were about three years old 
their parents brought down a box of toys that had belonged to Joanna and Jacqueline. The girls recognised yeah. the toys. Gillian picked oh up a doll God. that had belonged to Joanna, and Jennifer picked up a doll that had belonged to Jacqueline. And they knew what their deceased sisters had called their dolls, Mary and oh Susan. Oh. I know. And they also said that Santa had brought had bought the, had brought them for them, which wasn't true. It was true for Joanna and Jacqueline, but not for the twins. Oh. There was also a toy washing machine that Gillian recognised and said, "Oh, that's my toy washer that I got for Christmas," even though she had never seen it before, and it had been bought for her deceased sister Joanna oh my for God. Christmas. Bless her. So that's freaky. Spooky. It is a little bit freaky. You'd freak out when they grabbed those little dolls and were like, oh, it's Mary, oh, it's Susan. And you'd be like, there's what? There's no possible way. What? I mean, okay, getting one name right could be a coincidence, but both of them getting the dolls' names right? It's creepy. Uh, I mean, in a way, it'd be almost comforting in a very very strange and scary way but also i'd i'd probably almost i wouldn't treat i would almost in a way wouldn't treat them as new different people i'd treat them as i treated their sister if they were starting to yeah. act like their sisters it's You'd, i've, I've it, been thinking about it and it would be a very strange position to be in yeah and you almost couldn't tell anyone because no one would believe you. Or everyone oh, would think you were bonkers. Yeah. I mean, you know how people are, are funny around death as it is if you talk about someone that you've lost. People go all weird and don't know what to say. Um, mm. I mean, I've lost people, but I'm the first person to act weird when, when someone's lost someone and don't know what to say. Oh, they're there. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm awkward. Awkward as fuck around people who are grieving. I never know what to say. Yeah, I could imagine it would be a very awkward situation and there's no way to get any help. <laughs> and freaky, yeah. freaky children. <laughs> freaky children. Oh, I'm all about the freaky kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, the kids make uh, things so much creepier. So both both girls were petrified of cars and would freeze in terror if they heard one approaching when they were out and about. They would cling to each other and scream, there's a car, it's coming for us. Their parents also caught them talking to each other about the car accident in the present tense. Um, Once uh, once the mother came across Gillian cradling Jennifer's head saying, the blood's coming out of your eyes, that's where the car hit you. And John, the father, yeah... John, the father, recalled that when he had to go and identify the bodies, that Jacqueline's head had been bandaged just above her eyes. Um, so obviously that was a point of impact. Oh my god! Uh, I know. Gillian, Gillian once pointed to Jennifer's forehead birthmark and said, "That's the mark Jennifer got when she fell on a bucket, even though it was Jacqueline who had fallen on a bucket years previously." So, did you get that? Yeah, yeah, I did. I'm just cringing. I forgot that where it's a podcast and you have to speak. (laughs) (laughs) My face is like, you think of cringe face. That's what I'm looking like. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, this, honestly, when I was researching this, it gave me um, goosebumps. 
Yeah. Goosebumps? Oh, yeah, goosebumps. Yeah, I think my, my back feels cold, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like, goosebumps, like, yeah. ugh, shivers. I couldn't remember if they were called goosebumps, because in, in French they're um, chicken flesh, aren't they? Yeah, chair de poule. <laughs> and I was like, I can't say chicken flesh, that's not right. <laughs> oh, that's me. that make it even creepier. Oh, I'm feeling chicken flesh. Chicken flesh. <laughs> oh my god. French people are weird. Yeah, chicken flesh. And what about the noise they make for chickens? No, for, for roosters. Roosters. Cockerico instead of cockadoodle. Cockerico. <laughs> uh, okay. Freaky children. Oh, ha- freaky children. Does it get worse? Uh, it's pretty a pretty standard. Stand- we're on we're on the. Yeah. It doesn't get any worse. It doesn't get much better though. <laughs> Go ahead, then I'm listening. So Florence, the mum when she was doing her milk delivery business, had like a, a, a like an overcoat that she'd wear, but just specifically for delivering the milk. But when she she stopped working after the her daughters had died, yeah. so the twins had never seen this overcoat because she'd never had any need to wear it. Yeah. So when the twins were about four and a half, John borrowed the overcoat to do some painting. And Jennifer asked him, why are you wearing mummy's coat? And then she became really annoyed at Gillian for not recognising it. But the older sister, Joanna, who Gillian is the most like, yeah. had been at school whilst her mum had been working because she was the older one. So she'd have been at school. So she would have never actually seen her mum wearing uh, this coat. the overcoat. Yeah. So that's why she didn't recognise it. That's so weird, isn't it? So many, yeah, so many just things. little random things. Yeah. Oh. And when John asked Jennifer how she knew that the overcoat was Florence's, Jennifer said her mother had worn it while delivering milk. Yeah, and she'd stopped working by the time these two were born. Yes, she stopped. Florence had stopped working after her two daughters were killed. Oh, yeah. Oh, so freaky. Oh. I know. The Pollocks had moved away from Hexham when the twins were about nine months old. And when they were about four, the family visited Hexham again for the first time. So the twins had not been back since they were nine months old. Yeah. As they walked towards a park, but there was no sign of the park. They were just going in that direction, but you couldn't actually visibly see it. Gillian and Jennifer said they wanted to go across the road to the park and the swings and clearly knew the way to where the park was. And they also knew where the school was that Joanne, Joanna had gone to. They knew exactly the, how to get there. Oh, that's freaky. I mean, I didn't know how to get anywhere until I was about 12. So these girls know their way around a place that they were only living in up until they were nine months old. So I don't know. It's very strange oh, indeed. Very, very strange. Um, one day the girls were having a whinge because the, the lunch that they had been served by their mother wasn't what, you know, what kids are like. They were having a whinge about food. Yeah. So their mum said, well, if you're not happy with what I'm cooking for you, next time you can have your lunch at school. 
And they answered that they've already, they've done it before. They've already had their lunch at school, but they never had. It was never true for Gillian and Jennifer, but it had been true for Joanna and Jacqueline. Yeah. They just, just um, have all their memories about certain yes. things. Yeah. Yeah. Really strange. And at the time of their deaths, the pre, you know, the older sisters, yeah. Jacqueline had still been learning to write. Her teacher, um, was worried and made quite a fuss because she wasn't holding her pencil right. She would kind of hold her pencil upright in a clenched fist. Yeah. And they were trying desperately to correct this habit of holding the pencil like that. And when Gillian and Jennifer began learning to write at age four, Gillian immediately held the pencil properly while Jennifer held it upright in a clenched fist, which is a really strange way to hold a pencil. It is to be able to Uh, write with. Exactly. That's how babies hold Uh, their spoon and stuff, but not to... I can't imagine writing like that. Um, she only actually started holding her pencil properly at the age of seven and even as a young adult sometimes she'd revert back to this fist grip so very strange yeah so shortly after the twins turned five the memories of their past lives slowly began to fade away and they went on to live completely normal lives Um, while the twins lost their memories of the accident entirely Gillian later recalled experiencing visions of herself playing in a sandpit at home in Wickham. While Gillian had never been to Wickham, she was able, uh, while Gillian had never been to Wickham, she was able to perfectly describe the house and the garden that matched the home that Joanna had once lived in with her parents at four years old. Yeah. So, yeah, creepy. It is creepy. Um, It's creepy. It's just weird, and it's really intriguing. It. The, um. The, um. I don't know if it, I don't know if you added this on afterwards or anything. But I've heard um, oh, an English like documentary. I don't know, it's extraordinary people or something. And uh, yeah, it was about a little boy who I think he was Scottish, and he remembered this old life that he had. And he could describe the house he lived in, and it was on this island somewhere. I don't know if it was called Gara or something, Gara Island. And yeah. uh, he had described his family, he had even had the name of his father and everything. And they found, they went with this documentary and they went and found the house. And they took the boy there and he went really weird. He wouldn't stop talking about it and they took him to the house and he was like, he went all weird. I don't know, it's, but it's same, I think after, after he was about five, they just kind of stopped. He, yeah. Well, have to get past five or six. Yeah. I do. I do think kids are like super sensitive. Um, but Freya came out with something last week. I was on a bike ride with her, and there was a slug in the middle of the road. And she goes, "Oh, mummy, stop! I want to pick the slug up." And I was like, "No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not touching I'm not the slug. I'm for you to pick up the slug." And she goes. When I was a grown-up, I was a farmer, and I used to put on my gloves and pick slugs up from off my plants. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. <laughs> when I was a farmer, I used to pick up slugs off my plants. Bless her. But, um, I know. Bless her heart. But it's not the first time she said, when I was a grown-up, 
It's really quite freaky. I've just got freaky kids because the eldest you used to come out with the creepiest stuff um, about seeing a woman living my living in the attic and stuff. Uh, she doesn't do that anymore, thank God. But see, she's she's just turned six, hasn't she? So she's probably at that age now where she's not picking up on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, she. She'd come out and tell me there was an angry woman living in the attic with purple lips. Yeah. Oh my god, that's terrifying! Oh, I know. Oh. Especially when you're in bed looking up at the attic, because our attic is like open on one side. So, like from my bed, I can see all the boxes and stuff up there. Oh my! You... And you can sleep. Do you not imagine the ladies well, and the grudge coming out of the attic every night? I did after that, and probably after this conversation, I will again. I'd kind of forgotten about it, to be honest. But uh, oh, the grudge—the grudge fucked me up for for a long time. Oh, I, I that was quite young when I watched that, me. and all that oh clicky noise that she makes. And, oh, it hang- uh, what, uh, yeah. oh, don't do it! It's horrible. I'm going to take my headphones out, take them out, <laughs> take them out, take them out. Take them out. <laughs> Have you stopped? I'm going to put them back in. I've done, I've done, I've done. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> that was terrifying. <laughs> I, um, I scared the crap out of my roommate, um, when I was living above the pub. Um, I'm not dropping any names. He knows who he is. <laughs> Does his name begin but... with T? <laughs> it does. Okay. <laughs> I had a white, like, a, a white gypsy-type dress that came down just below the knees, and I put that on one night, and I've got very long black hair. Um, so I brushed all that in front of my face. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just appeared in his bedroom going, <laughs> he, he did not enjoy oh, it. Oh, God. Just the sound is he giving was... me chills at my back. The target of... Yeah. Oh, he... my God. I think I would have He was cried. not a happy camper. I think <laughs> I, I definitely would have cried. Did he cry? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't cry, but he, he, he wasn't impressed. Yeah. And you're still friends, so... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a fun friend. The, the grungy friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So I'm done. That was it. That was my that story. That was really good. I love her. Creepy kid stories. Creepy, creepy. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, you, I was thinking, uh, oh, I'll tell you, if not, I'll tell you off that I think a really good subject for one time would be a, a dream. Uh, you know, they're like, um, oh, what's it called? Vivid dreaming. Uh, what, lucid yes. dreaming? Um, I have to tell you my thing, and then maybe you could research it, and it'd be a really good story. I um yeah you t- yeah go on then. Do you want me to tell you now? I'll tell you another time. I don't know. What do you want to do? I feel like people are going to want to yeah. know now. Um, I um. Or we could just be really mean and be like, no private conversation. Sorry. Please donate on Patreon to hear mine. <laughs> <laughs> I um did um. It usually comes up. Upon, it usually happens when I'm really stressed out. It has to be a really, really, really stressed out. Uh, or when yeah. things are going a bit wrong in my life, usually it happens. 
Uh, but I've had it since yeah. I was a kid, and it's vivid dreaming. So I'll either be, it must be as I'm falling asleep or as I'm waking up, I'll wake up and I can't really move. I'm kind of paralysed. Oh, is this like sleep paralysis? It is, but I can move a lot quicker than what, say, my my sister's told me about hers, and it's, it sounds a lot more terrifying than mine uh, because she can't God, move. this is so weird. This is so weird because I know somebody else who gets sleep paralysis and her sister gets it. So it must be like a genetic thing. If you, if like one sibling gets it. It is weird that we are. both get it. Uh, I think ours is slightly, I have to ask her what, if she wouldn't mind if I told her what, what hers, what hers is like. But mine is, I wake up and there is a shadow person looking over me. And what it is, is like a silhouette of a person. It's completely black. You can't see any features on their face. Mm, I don't like it. And it's it. always a man. It's usually always a man. Like, you can't see any, like, hair. Uh, you know, just like a, like a, like a silhouette of a man. And they're always kind of, like, yeah, looking yeah. over, like, really into my face. And Oh, no, I don't like and it. And they're either looking really close or they're stood over the bottom of the bed. And no, no. When no, no. when I first got together with uh, uh, this, so I saw, I saw these when I was younger. Um, but then I, I usually saw them quite a lot when I was in my teens. So when I was sixteen to about, around about until I was twenty four, and then it's kind of tailed off since then. I've saw them. I've heard saw it a few times since. And uh, the first one of the first nights I spent with Tristan, who's the um, dad of my two older kids um he saw it too i woke up and went <gasps> like that and he saw it too and he's never seen oh, one no, before Becky. in his life I, and i don't like it yeah this is why i think it'd really be a good subject for you and um, oh god that yeah. is so crazy yeah and then um after i um after I, this was a few years later then, so this is after we had my first daughter, um, and then um, my mum got ill, and we lost my mum. She passed away. About a month after my mum died, I saw it again, but this time, and this is the only time, and I swear, I shit you not, because there's no point in lying about this, because it's a horrible thing that I just don't like happening. Um, yeah, yeah. It... Uh, it had hair. It had my mum's hair. Like, like my mum had longish hair, like just below shoulder length. And uh, again, she was sort of like leaning over me. And this time, it moved back when I woke up, as if like it wasn't expecting me for, to wake up. And then it just oh, I don't like it. And Tristan saw it again, and he was oh, so no. freaked out by it that he told his mum. Oh, and uh, oh, his mum. I was talking to his mum about it the other day and she was like, yeah, yeah, he spoke to me about it because he was so freaked out. Whereas I'm so used to seeing them, I'd be like, oh, right, okay. Yes, but the thing is, if it's just you seeing it, then you kind of think it's your brain playing tricks on you, you're half asleep, you know. Yeah. But the fact that somebody else sees it... Yeah, and why did he never, ever see it before me? Why did that never happen? And then all of a sudden, when I go, <gasps> like that in the middle of the night, he sees it. And then he was the, uh, I thought that it looked like my mum, my mum's kind of silhouette. And uh, he was the one that went and mentioned it to his mum and said, he said it, it really, I thought, you know, they thought it was my mum. But we hadn't actually spoke to each other about it. 
And he was really scared. He had to go downstairs and make himself a hot cup of drink, hot, hot chocolate or something, <laughs> um, to get over it. Whereas I was just, I'm so used to seeing him. I can't believe you've never told me this before. I'm absolutely gobsmacked. I swear, I must have told you before. But yeah, it's usually about about once a year. Maybe not have that. That is so freaky. I know I've got some murders to do with vivid dreaming and and lucid dreaming, but um, I bet there's a few creepy stories as well. Some creepier than that. I've read, I've, I've read stories. I don't know if you can get creepier than that because I was all like, "Oh yeah, sleep paralysis is terrifying and all that." Because you know, I've, I've had people tell me what it's like to experience it, and it sounds fucking horrible. But the fact that somebody else saw it as well—that's just blow my mind. Oh, yeah. that man, that's terrified me. I'm going to be thinking about that tonight now. Yeah, and I think oh. my my uh, my little boy. I think he. Um, my eldest two had night terrors when they were younger, not for very long. Uh, but Evan, my second, uh, well, my little, my only boy, uh, he, uh, I think he definitely had them because he used to sit up and like stare. And I'm like, what is it? And he wasn't looking at me. It was really freaky. <laughs> oh, oh that's one. creepy. And I said, I asked him the next day, I said, do you see anything when you wake up? Do, do, and he was like, no, what are you on about? And he couldn't even remember that he'd woken up and screamed. <laughs> <laughs> oh! But your oh. story has reminded me that didn't you make an email address if people want to email? Um, oh, yeah. yeah, people if, want to email their spooky stories. Yeah, I was thinking any of your local murders or local. Like legends and creepy stories, even funny stories, because with the awful nature of our um, podcast, it's always nice to have a, a uh, like a upbeat story every now and again, even, <laughs> you know, just something interesting Absolutely. and kind of on topic, or just something that you find yeah, pretty if cool. if it's anything creepy or spooky or murdery or, you know, true crimey, weird, we want to hear about it. Yeah, and the email address is uh, chillers.killers.pod, so that's P-O-D, um, like I said, I will be Fantastic. creating a, an Instagram, and I will put that on the next one, and the, G- the G- Gmail address will be on there as well. So yeah, that would be awesome to hear about any of your creepy stories, true crime stories, or just something cool. That's to do with Absolutely. you. Absolutely, and we will vivid dreams. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> anything weird, just anything weird. Yeah, your own story though, not just a creepy pasta. That would be cool if it was. If it was your own story, oh yeah, or yeah, yeah, something local to you, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, and we will read them on yeah. the podcast. That'd be great. Yeah, I was saying I haven't thought of a way to sign off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll have to think about this. And also, if you have a suggestion, email it in. What can we say? That's <laughs> yeah. nice and If catchy you can think of end. a cool thing that we should should finish off with, yeah. email. Do the work for us. Please. Please help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a competition, but there's no prize. Yeah, we'd say your thing at the end of every podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would be the prize. So we're still thinking on that one. 
Indeed. All right, then. So we'll just have to stick with a very traditional... Bye. 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 Till next time.